Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by multiple sponsorship tonight. We have 24hockey.us, 24hockey.ca for all of your apparel needs. So get on there and check that out. We also have the Stadium Sports Bar downtown Canton on Main Street. Check them out. Cold beer, TVs, all your hockey games on every night. So get in there and grab a beer and relax. We also have Headstrong Graphics, Jason Livery, painting some of the coolest goalie masks in the industry. We had him on the other night. If you didn't have the chance to check out his website yet, get on there, check it out. His masks are like unbelievable. So check it out. Maybe I got a, a son or a buddy that's playing in college or somebody in the pros looking for somebody to do their mask. Check out Jason Livery at Headstrong Graphics. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club, episode 42 tonight. We have the usual suspects in the house, Patrick, Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, local nerd on staff, Robbie P. Peters. Hey, how's your mom and them? And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train, he too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweetos? And your host, Mark, the doctor, morally. Oh, hey, we have a very special guest with us tonight, coming in from, I believe, Cornwall, Ontario, Kevin Lalande. They say that right? Uh, Lalande, but Lalande, no, no Lalande at the end. I was doing the you French. You say version. a little flair, a little flair. As a French, I, I, thought, I thought I was in Russia for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Not too bad. How are you guys? Good, good. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So uh, we'll just get into a little bit of how you became a goalie. Like, well, how did that process happen? You must have been a little guy. Like, did they just not have a goalie and it stuck you in net or somebody in your family a goalie? Or you got short strap? Yeah. What happened? I guess I used to watch uh, Saturday Night Hockey with my mom and dad. We were all Montreal Canadian fans. So obviously, Patrick Wall was the goalie for Montreal at the time. And Kind of as I grew older, I fell in love with the equipment and the attention that they were getting during TV timeouts. Or I don't know, I was just really fascinated by it. All I wanted to do was be a goalie. Whenever you know, family or friends of my parents came over the house, I always asked them to play hockey, and I'd be the goalie. And so it kind of just started like that. Kind of embraced it and got better as I got older and realized that it, it, it was something that you know I could do in the future so um, I just kind of took it one year at a time like that and turned into a, turned into a career nice yeah. you're from Ottawa right or around Ottawa I was born in Kingston and uh, I wasn't there very long my mom remarried then I moved to uh, just east of Ottawa when I was about five years old and that's where I grew up yeah, what was minor hockey like for you, Kevin? Um, the way it is for most kids, I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's something you come home from school and you're is excited that, that you have practice at night or you look forward to, to the weekend tournaments out of town. And, you know, I grew up playing for, for the Eastern Ontario Cobras, so all the way up from, you know, two years of Adam, two years of Pee Wee and 
Bantam, I got to play with, you know, mostly the same 15 or 20 guys for, for six years. So it was, you know, it was just fun going to the rink every day and seeing the same guys and developing that friendship. You know, like any, I'm sure, hockey player that's my age will tell you that minor hockey is some of the best times that you'll you'll have in your career. Kevin, I see that you, you know, you've worked your way all the way up, um, you know, the CJHL, OHL, East Coast, AHL, and then to, you know, obviously the KHL. What was the best league you liked? And um, I recently just went to, and to, on top of that question, I just went to an East Coast hockey game and it was like a all-out brawl they did play some hockey in there but uh just touch on the east coast when you played also and uh um well the uh the east coast was my first uh my first well my second pro stop i guess i started the year with uh calgary's farm team in quad cities i think just a month or two into the season though calgary traded for curtis joseph so it kind of snowballed all the way down and um you know they sent curtis mccallaney down to quad city and then i got sent down to vegas uh which was calgary's east coast team at the time so you know a, a 20 year old kid playing his first pro season in vegas was <laughs> was, was something in itself but i don't think i enjoyed it as much as i could have or should have i was almost I felt like I belonged in the American League and I knew I could play there. So I was almost, you know, I wasn't sour to actually be in Vegas, but I didn't think that I needed to be in the East Coast League. But looking back now, I wish I would have just embraced it and, you know, I've been a little bit more patient and waited for my opportunity. And, um, you know, I think that's a big reason of why I went to Europe so early because I, I kind of lost patience in North America and maybe I got a little bit ahead of myself and, but I played in, you know, I played in a lot of good cities, cities you wouldn't even expect to, uh, you know, I, after I got traded from Calgary to Columbus, I went to Syracuse. That was probably one of the most funs I've had in my career, just being three hours away from home. And, you know, I had buddies and family that came down every weekend when we played at home and, you know, being, you know, pretty big college university in terms of their basketball program. It was fun to, you know, to go a couple of those games. And, you know, and then after that, going to Russia, I lived two years in Moscow and five years in the capital city of, of Belarus. So I've, I've, I've been to a lot of pretty cool places and, um, you know, they all had their own traits and ups and not ups and downs, but you know, the, the positives and the negatives of, of each city. But uh, overall, I was pretty lucky to, to play in the cities I did. We always, uh, you know, when we get the KHL guys on, it's always interesting just to, like to talk about their experience. I mean, most of us here um, have never been to Russia, not really planning a vacation there. So I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. So <laughs> if you just fill us in on, like, what it's like to play there, what's the uh, – you know what was it was it fun did you have like a good time night life wise or, you know was it you know a lot different than the states or what was it like well i was 23 when when i left to, to go over there so you know at the time i don't think i realized how young 23 actually is you know i just kind of had a, a bit of a hard time adjusting with being so far away from home and 
Um, you know, with, with the eight or nine hour time difference, it, it's tough to to keep in touch with people back home. And you know, obviously the the different culture, the different language, the food's different. Um, so a lot of things were off the bat were kind of tough. But for the most part, you know, you wake up in the morning and you go to the rink and you know, whether you're in North America or in Russia, rink's a rink, a practice is a practice. And so once you, you set your focus on hockey, it, it's not all that different. But, uh, you know, there's some things that, uh, there's some stories, I guess, that, that my mother will never know about. Just <laughs> she would freak out at, uh, you know, because you got to think almost, almost 10 years ago was my first year there. And that's when, you know, the league was very young. It was only in its second, I think I got there and it was the league's second or third year. And it was all very, you know, run by... Mafia? <laughs> yeah, I guess if you, if, if you want to put it that way. In its heyday. But you know, my, my, my bonus checks were were in brown paper bags. My first year I played in... I played in Chekhov, which is about 45 minutes outside of Moscow. And um, I don't know, you guys might remember the name Alexei uh, Zhamnov. He played in Boston for a while. and Sure. So he, he, he was our GM there. And I had it set in my contract where, for example, September 15th, you get your first, your first signing bonus. And then you get the second part of it December 1st or whatever. So I would, on those days, I roll into Jam's office and you know sometimes he'd be like yeah what do you want to talk about and he'd no I'm just here to to pick up my money and he'd take a key out of his pocket and open the drawer and pull out a, a brown paper bag and here you go <laughs> this so, one's you obviously, obviously things are done very differently now most teams you you know they set you up with a bank account once you get there and now you can it's easy to wire money home so it, it's evolved a lot in, those, in that regard in the last seven or eight years. But when I first got there, it was a bit of a shit show. My, uh, my, 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 bonus, my signing bonus was in U.S. dollars, and then my salary was in Russian rubles. The U.S. dollars were always on time, but not the rubles. <laughs> yeah, we've heard some stories. What was it Matt Lashoff that was telling some stories? Yeah. Yeah, I heard some good stories from him. Did you ever play with Matt? Uh, no, I, I think, did he play in Kitchener? I believe so. Wasn't it Kitchener, guys? I think so, yeah. yeah, he had some wild stories. He was there early, too, you know, with the bags of money, and he was telling us about how, like, you know, training camp was, like, just crazy intense, and, you know, people were handed pills and all kinds of shit to get through did the pain. Did you ever shoot you in the ass with anything, Kevin? <laughs> lots of vitamins, lots oh, of vitamins. <laughs> they enjoy the, uh, it's like, hey, like my hip flexors are tight. I'd like to, you know, maybe do a little physio or, oh, no, no, let's just, uh, Shoot we'll just up. inject you with some painkillers and some anti-inflams and, uh, oh, nice. you know, you're, you're going to be good to play. So sometimes you don't ask any questions, but after, you know, I spent seven years over there. So after a couple of years, you start asking questions and, hey, what's in that stuff and, but yeah, they they like their pills and needles over there for sure. <laughs> Is it like the uh, local citizens and the people in the area that you play? Do they kind of know that you're that you're on the hockey team? So they kind of like 
or standoffish or kind of, you know, let you do what you want? Or how, how is that interaction? Is there a lot of Americans uh, over there? Depends where you are. When, like when I played in Moscow, I mean, there's there's about 15 million people there. So you could, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky could ride the subway in Moscow and nobody would bat an eye, right? So it was, yeah. um, after playing a couple of years in Minsk where it's a smaller town and, and hockey means everything for them, especially I was, I got dual citizenship, so I was on the national team. So there was a little bit more attention there, and people are, are really fond of their hockey team. And after spending a few years there, it was nice to kind of get away and just go to Moscow, to a city where, you know, you could go to the grocery store without bullying you or taking pictures or asking for autographs. So and it, it depends, like I said, it depends where you played and who you are, I guess. Was the language barrier like difficult? Uh, it was. It was really hard at first, but I tried to. Uh, the first year I got there, I learned the alphabet real fast, so at least I could, I could read stuff whenever we'd be on the bus or on the way to the airport or in the car or driving in the city. Um, I tried to to read as much stuff as I could so that when I would hear words or I'd see them again, I would be able to to associate like uh, pharmacies, restaurants, grocery stores, um, those, kind of, those kind of things just became familiar. But in terms of actually sitting down having a conversation was was tough. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I got in a taxi and I was <laughs> driven around town because the driver couldn't understand what address I was trying to tell him, whether he was, you know, trying to to pretend he couldn't understand and yeah. try to make a few extra bucks and driving me around town <laughs> or or whether there was actually a, a language barrier I'll, I'll never know but i started just taking pictures of of my building with the address on it and i'd get in the taxi and I'd, I'd show it to him but when i first got to russia i don't even i don't even i think i still had a flip phone so that wasn't <laughs> that, wasn't. that wasn't an option yeah, watch the Yankees probably, and after the game. Probably yeah, depending on what you had in your bag, rubles or American money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, what's that? Sorry. I was just saying, like, you watch the Yankees game, and after the game, like, half of the guys need an interpreter. And I think to myself, why don't these guys know English? But, you know, if it was me and the other, you know, going to Russia and trying to learn a new language, I don't think I would. But, but see, that, that's, where, that's where I was kind of, and not just me, but all imports are a little bit spoiled is, when I played in Syracuse, we had Nikita Filikov, who was Columbus's first-round pick, top prospect, was going to be the next, you know, Sergei Fedorov. And he comes to Syracuse, and the poor kid's 18 years old, and he doesn't speak a lick of English. And he's forced to, you know, we don't have a translator in the dressing room. There's nobody helping him. There's no – the coaches can't speak Russian. They're – so this is the meeting. This is what you're doing, and and then you're playing on the ice with your line mates, and nobody's speaking or attempting to speak Russian to this kid because it's, hey, we're 20 guys here. You're the only Russian, you know, learn English. Whereas in the KHL, they have this import rule where every team's allowed five or six imports, um, and a lot of teams will have coaches that have either played North America or that know English, that understand it. So every team I've been on, except the first one when I was in Vityaz, we've had translators or coaches that knew how to speak in English. 
And then most of the Russians know a little bit of English, so they, they're able to, you're able to get on the same page as them. You had a little bit of uh, issue with some concussions in your career, correct? I mean, you want to talk a little bit about that too, or? Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to hide from it. So <laughs> it, it, I guess it's, it kind of tough because a lot of people say, well, how, how'd you get concussions? You were a goalie. Like, you just got to stand in net like you're not getting hit or, but I just had a couple unlucky bounces where, you know, a guy crashed in the net and I banged the back of my head off, off a post or, you know, take a puck off the chin in the wrong spot in the mask. And, but it just seemed like every concussion, the recovery time got worse. And, you know, so the last year I played in Minsk, I, I was out for, for preseason. I, I got, well, it was actually Olympic qualification we were hosting and I got ran into, and I missed the first three months of the season. Uh, we had signed Ben Scrivens that season. So by the time I came back in the roster, the team was playing good. Ben had finally gotten in a rhythm because a lot of guys will come from the NHL, especially goalies, and, you know, they'll have a hard time adjusting to the KHL and, you know, the different angles. And it's just a completely different game. So you'll see a lot of guys from North America come over and it takes them a month or two or three um, to get adjusted. And by the time I came back, Ben had transitioned very well and the team was playing well. And, you know, I kind of just got caught in the middle of that of, yeah, I've been in the league for six years, but I've also been hurt the last couple of years. And, you know, we have a, a veteran guy that's got, you know, a boatload of NHL games that, you know, I just kind of got stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I, I, I feel good now. There's still, you know, some days I'll feel a little bit cloudy and, you know, neck stiffness and, and that kind of stuff. But I think for the most part, I've, you know, I've been pretty cautious. And um, in Russia, they'll tell you to, to take a couple pills and you know, get back out there. They really... They, they don't take it as seriously as, as North America does now because they're just not, they're not as educated as North Americans were 15, 20 years ago. It's still a, an unknown, oh, you got a headache, well, suck it up kind of thing. So, you know, I think I had three or four concussions over there. So by the last one, they were like, okay, well, this guy's just faking. He doesn't want to play. Um, you know, he's just collecting his paycheck. He's you know, doing whatever the heck he pleases. So it was really frustrating in that regard because I knew I had to kind of secure long-term health and I didn't want to be crippled or brain dead by the time my career was done because I knew I had a life to live after that. So it was just, Russia is probably the worst place to be when, when you're getting concussions just because of the lack of knowledge and the lack of seriousness that, that they give to it. Kevin, uh, just coming off that with concussions, um, you know, a lot of of goalie equipment now is getting shrunk. So, uh, you know, the NHLPA is kind of arguing that uh, they're making rules that uh, the goalie equipment must get smaller. They want more goals in the NHL, which is kind of leading to concussions. Um, you know, also other, you know, bruised collarbones, um, things like that. And, and you know, the the evolution of sticks keep, you know, rising and, you know, the shots are getting faster, but on the other side, like I said, the goalie equipment's getting smaller. Um, 
do you, what do you think about that? I think I retire in the perfect time. I don't have to deal deal with all that shit right now, but it is, um, it is a a little frustrating to, you know, to sit on my couch and I'll have a hockey game on or whatever coach's corner or, uh, between the periods, and then you'll have all these ex-goalies come on, Glenn Healy and Kelly Rudy, and they'll all be talking about how the goalies' equipment's so big today, and um, you know they they should be shrinking. They're cheating. They're this and that. Well, hey, listen, when you played, if you would have been told that, hey, you need to use smaller equipment, or you know, goalies in in the '90s were were the biggest cheaters. The the Gark Snows, the um, you know, Patrick Waugh with the, the jersey that was three times too big for him. The, you know, all those little edges that, that those guys tried to to gain when they played, they're kind of stripping from the guys today. And I don't, I don't think that's fair because especially when you're looking at, you're basically telling a goalie that's 5'10", or that's projected to be 5'10", 5'11", when he's 18, 19, year old, 19 years old, that he doesn't have a shot at making the NHL because the guy that's 6'6", is allowed to have bigger pads than him because he's got longer legs. So how is it fair for a guy that's 6'6", to wear a 38-inch pad, but a guy that's 5'10", can only wear a 33-inch pad? So now the way that the guys train and that they move and how athletic you are. You look at the, the Pekka Renes, the, the Ben Bishops, the, you know, all these guys can, can move well. They cover a lot of space. It's the, the, the five foot 10, the six foot, even the six foot goalies now are, are considered small. I was, I'm six foot. And, you know, by the end of my career, I, I, before my last two years in, in the KHL, I came back to, uh, to North America. I went to training camp in Minnesota and Devin Dubnik is six foot five. Darcy Cumper is six foot four. And I was, I felt like a midget there. I was, I was looking <laughs> up the guys and I was like, holy shit, what, what happened to the, you know, the five foot 10 Curtis Joseph or, or the six foot Mika Kiprasov or, you know, where, where, where did those guys go? And <laughs> I just think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a really, dying art to see the smaller quick moving goalies that just won't be given that opportunity as the years go on i'm i'm willing to to predict that in five years from now there's not a goalie under six foot three in the nhl yeah i think you're right i we had a question before you got on kevin are goalies now wearing regular skates like forward skates it kind of looks that way huh yeah it does yeah, no, there's a lot of, um, I think Bauer started it. They basically, what they're trying to do is there, there was a lot of, you look 10 years ago, the goalie skates were so, you know, they put so many extra layers on that you didn't actually really need because you're not making skate saves. You're not really making toe saves. You'll, you know, once in a blue moon in practice, you'll take one off the toe, but it's not you know, nothing to, to say, fuck, that could break my foot or, or anything like that. So, um, you know, the companies just like, um, I was wearing warrior pads and, and gloves and chest protector, at, you know, in the last couple of years of my career. And they're trying to find ways to, how can we make the gear lighter? How can we take layers off 
you know, to, to, to make it easier for the guys now to move. And like, I remember I wanted, I was probably 20, 12 years old and, uh, graphs were coming out with the goalie skates and everybody, every kid my age was like, well, I want graphs. I want graphs. Well, after a practice, those things probably weighed 15 pounds. <laughs> so, so what, what companies are doing now is they're getting rid of what wasn't necessary and, um, other than Bauer, there's a guy out of, I want to say Winnipeg. I don't remember the name of the company. They're custom skates and they do player skates too. They basically, they mold your foot and they, they outline your foot and they build the skate directly for your foot. And the goalie skates don't look that much, that much different than the player skates. I think the biggest difference would be the, the tuck on the skate isn't as high for a goalie. Yeah, all the equipment's changed. I mean, all the goalies are butterfly goalies now. When did that happen? When did everybody start being a butterfly goalie? Well, I think when Francois Allaire came along with, with Patrick in Montreal, they completely, you know, revolutionized the position. And changed the leg pads, really, like how the leg pads come together, right? Well, if you look at a pad now and you look at a pad in the – well, even – you know, the mid nineties, they're nothing like they used to be. The evolution is you talked about the evolution of player sticks, but the evolution of, of goalie equipment that, you know, once I turned pro and I didn't have to pay for my gear anymore, that was, you know, it was Christmas twice a year because I could get, <laughs> I could get new gear whenever I wanted. Now you custom colors and, you know, guys that, you know, you ask a, a Carey Price or a, a Pekka Rene or guys like that, they, they can have, whatever they want done to their pads. They know I want this strap there. No, I don't. I don't want leather straps. I just want a Velcro in the back of the leg. So it's super cool how, you know, every guy can kind of modify the equipment to, to how they want it. Done. Yeah, the people over in China got it figured out. I'm sure that's where they're making this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> if, if, if you're lucky enough, you still got the stuff that's made in Canada. Yeah. There you go. Good stuff. But you, you gotta you gotta know a guy or two. Kevin, <laughs> yeah, you playing any hockey these days or not? Um, I, beer leagues or anything? No, I went for a skate on the Rideau Canal uh, last week, and it was the first time in a year and a half I put a pair of skate, skates on. Wow! I had uh, well. Long story short, I kind of got pushed into retirement. I had one year left on my contract in Minsk. And I was up for double hip surgery at the end of the season. Sounds fun. And the team knew I needed surgery. Um, but then the national team came and said, well, hey, we want you for world championships, which are only in, in May. But the recovery for the hip surgery is four to six months. So if I go play this tournament in May, I'm out till October, November. So basically the national team and my KHL team were supposed to come to an agreement as to, you know, who would pick up part of the salary in the early stages of the season, um, who's going to take his spot. Um, you know, we're going to need a goalie for, because Ben was only on a one-year contract, he wasn't coming back. So it was like, hey, we're going to need somebody to, to start the season. Um and basically, they had given me the, the green light to go to World Championship. To I had my surgery scheduled for, for the week after in, in Helsinki. 
And, uh, you know, the last day of world championship, I get an email from the GM saying, uh, we're terminating your contract and we're not responsible for your surgeries anymore. Oh, so I was just kind of like, well, I can't play without the surgeries, but now I'm kind of on my own. And, um, you know, I shopped around a little bit in the summer to try and see if I could get a team that either a wasn't aware <laughs> that I needed surgery or that, you know, maybe I could squeak out another season without having it done. And I just, you know, it came to a point where it wasn't realistic. It didn't make sense. Um, um, it wasn't fair for anybody for me to, to try to play another season like that. So I came back to Canada. I got back on, you know, Canadian health insurance and I got the surgery done through that in Toronto. But by the time I was recovered, it was April or May. So I had to have taken a full season off. And after that, you know, my, I had a kid that was born in March and, you know, life kind of just happened and, you know, next thing you know, it's been it's been two years almost since I played a hockey game. Wow, crazy! How old are you now? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. That's a pretty good career, man. Rob's looking for a goalie for his men's league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> I bet. I, I think I, I might start, but I'll 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 be that that goalie that charges to come out and play. I'll be the I'll be the Uber, the Uber of the uh, of the goalies for the yearly. Nice. So t- talk to us about the uh, worlds real quick. Uh, you're so I saw something. Your uh, dual citizenship in Belarus, and you got asked to play for them and played in what 14, 15, and sixteen or something. Yeah, Ooh, I played. I played four four straight years. So basically, the uh, the first year. The first year I played in uh, in Minsk, I had showed up at the end of training camp. I signed late in the summer. I showed up towards the end of training camp, and within probably three weeks of being there, they asked me if I wanted to get a passport and eventually possibly play for the national team. And I remember calling my agent, being like, "What what's going on? Like they just they're throwing a passport at me. Like do I have to?" give up my Canadian citizenship or like at that time I wasn't really like if, if something happens, do I have to, you know, are they going to push me in the army or because you <laughs> don't really know, you, you don't really know what the rules are and what the, you know, they come grab me by the collar and they're like, yeah, you got a Belarusian passport. You're joining the army and I'm stuck over there. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in that kind of a position or, um, so I, I signed a paper, funny, I hope this doesn't make it all the way there, but I signed a paper <laughs> saying that I had done my army training and that, uh, because everybody there, I think when you turn 18, you have to do six months or a year of training. So they made me sign the paper that said that I had done my training. So I didn't have to get, you know, called to do that. Wow. Um, That's cool. But basically it was Minsk. Minsk was hosting world championships in 2014 and they, you know, both their goalies were, were getting older and um, were dealing with, with injuries. And they were just, Glenn Hanlon, who's a Canadian guy, was was the head coach for the team. So they were looking for, you know, for reinforcement, so to speak. So I went ahead, I got the passport, and I got to, to keep my Canadian passport. And with the Army thing being out of the way, I 
um, you know, I didn't see that as a threat anymore. So um, it kind of gave me, I'm glad I did it because it was, it was a really, really cool experience to, you know, to be able to, to play on, on a world stage to be in the, otherwise I would never have had a chance to, you look at Canadian goalies, who goes to those world championships? Well, it's the Mike Smith, the Max, or uh, Cam Talbot, and, you know, some, some really, really good NHL goalies that, you know, realistically, I knew I would never have had a shot at playing for Team Canada. So it still gave me the chance to, to compete on, on the international level. And the first two years that I was there, we very surprisingly made it to the quarterfinals. And it was, it, like I said, it was just a really, really cool thing to be a part of because the world championships are, you know, a lot of people look at it and say, well, it's every year and it's not the Olympics. But when you're actually in the middle of it, and especially in Europe, teams and countries take so much pride in hosting it that, um, you know, I got to play one year in Minsk, one year in Czech Republic, one year in Russia, and uh, one year was in France. So I got to play in in some really cool places, and it was just an overall really fun experience. Nice. That sounds like you had a pretty good career, man. Thank but you. I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, you know, taking time out of your day. I know you got a young one at home. Hopefully, you're able to tuck them away before you came on. And we have kids too, so we know how that can be. Yeah, he's. Uh, my wife tucked him in about an hour ago. So perfect. Well, thanks How's for that? coming on, we, Kevin. Get some of that legal weed over in Canada. Get take a. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. So. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be catching up with you soon. Stay in touch. Okay. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, right, Kevin. Kevin. Thanks, yep. man. Take it easy, man. Okay. See ya. All right, boys. Kevin Lalonde coming on. Pretty impressive career playing in four world championships and six or seven seasons, I think he said, in the KHL. Uh, pretty good seat there. I mean, anybody that's playing in the KHL these days is a pretty good hockey player. So, I mean, arguably the second best league in the, in the world. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk to these guys and hear some stories about, you know, getting paid with paper bags. And, you know, I wish we could, they would tell us a little bit more about some of the crazy times because I'm sure they had some some good stories they probably don't want to tell the public. But it's good yeah, to have most of the guys we get on are kind of, they kind of scale back with their talk. Most are married and things now so probably want to keep all that stuff kind of low key PG. yeah he didn't want his mom to hear right <laughs> no good story always good to get uh get some of these khl guys on for sure yeah all right boys time to get in a little of the uh nhl action going around lots of stuff happening we got the trade deadline coming up in february so we're gonna have some moves in the next month um halfway point of the season is this week so a lot of teams hit that 41 games are about to hit that 41 games. So we're going to start to see where people are falling. They're already talking about teams that are in the wild card and, you know, they're looking at playoff picture a little early for that, but a lot of talk um, who's, who's in the wild card, who's just, just out. And, you know, just some of these guys, uh, some of the top scorers in the league right now are just on fire. I don't know if we've talked too much about uh, Kucherov in the, uh, for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked too much about him, but he is on fire, and they're saying that he's on track to 
score 130 points, which hasn't happened since uh, Mario Lemieux in 1995. And before that, I know it was Gretzky in the early 90s. And then... Uh, he got 71 well, points already. Yeah, Yammer Yager. It was Gretzky, Yammer Yager, and then uh, Mario Lemieux back in early 90s and mid-90s. So we haven't seen a 130-point season in uh, over a decade. So that's a big talk right now about how many points. I mean, you've got Johnny Gurdow up there with 60-some points as well. Some major points being scored. I mean, you look at some of these guys, they've got like, what, 10 points? You know, maybe they've got yeah. five goals and you know, League six average, League average in points is 13. And, you know, <laughs> you got these guys at 71. You got Ratnan, 66. McKinnon, 65. Gaudreau, 64. Connor McDavid, 63. Um, you know, Kane's up there, Braden Point. So, you know, the league average at 13, and these fuckers are up there with above 60. I mean, in 40 unreal. games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's pretty good. Point a game, you know, almost, uh, you know, probably point and a half a game there. So, I mean, these are massive numbers, and it comes right back to what we're keep talking about it. You know, the NHL has created a game that's super fast and high scoring, and to see, uh, seven, eight, nine goals in a game is, is you know, yeah, it's happening. You know, it, weekly, we, daily. You know, you look across, look across like the bot. Like w- this morning, I was watching NHL Network, and like all the scores running across the bottom. Are, like, you don't see any, like two one scores anymore. It's like that's true. Five two, six three, like seven to two. Like it's like it's just not the same hockey that we grew up playing. Obviously, but uh, yeah, in the way the NHL. And yeah, to just to cut in, Derek, that that's the way the NHL is going, right? So I guess, I guess we have to anticipate this. Yeah, and the oh, goaltenders. Sure. <clears throat> what Kevin was talking about, man, the goaltenders. It's kind of weird that it's that the goal scoring is that high because, like he like he was talking about, and like you see, like all these goalies are like massive human beings. Like you know, Mark, you're talking about uh, you know Kucherov for uh, Tampa Bay, and it's just. Look at the goaltender for Tampa Bay. The guy, he's a freak of nature. I mean, it, it, you take up that much of the net, I guess I can. you can start to understand why they're saying you got to cut the pads down a little bit or something like that. But I don't know where you – I don't even know where you shoot the puck on a guy like the, the goalie for Tampa. So it's just – it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely cutting down on the shutouts. You don't see too many shutouts anymore. Once in a while, you know, there'll be a good defensive game and they – Basically, it comes down to the other team not getting those breaks where they're on the doorstep and they just miss or it's a bad bounce. But, I mean, they need a little extra help, these goalies, to to get that uh, clean sheet because you're not seeing it too much anymore. I mean, Tukaras just got one against the Wild the other night. But, you know, usually there's always a goal scored. Noobs. 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 Oh, yeah. stay locked. But Staylock, he, he let in two quick goals, and then he let in the third goal in the, in the second period. I thought they were going to pull his ass. I mean, they weren't great <laughs> goals, but, you know, I yeah, thought well, they should have pulled him out. That third goal wasn't his fault. It bounced off his fucking ch- the guy's chest and went in. It looked like a soccer goal, almost like a header. Um, so Minnesota's been on the road a while, too, man. That team's they got to be tired as hell. Yeah. Just getting back to the, yeah. uh, you know, the points and goal leaders – um, the league average in the NHL for goals is five. You get Ovechkin up there with 30 and Jeff Skinner, who, you know, just got traded um, from Carolina to Buffalo. Didn't really do too much in Carolina. 
and now he's in Buffalo and he's on fire and um, you know, he's multi-point games. So 29 goals, 29 goals this year. And I don't know what he had last year, but not that much and not that much when he was in Carolina um, at the beginning of the year. So um, he's, he's really, it must be the chemistry chemistry in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry for sure. I was just going to say, there's a couple guys on, on Carolina that are, talked about in the train the trade deadline talks right now too i think pattern and who's the other guy they're thinking about trading um shoot can't think of it right now but there was a billboard in uh in carolina that said something like you know pattern stay stay with uh the hurricanes or whatever and we'll give you free vodka or whatever the booze was it's a picture (laughs) of the bottle and that's a big billboard and it's like we'll give you as much as you want I don't know if that's going to keep him there. Yeah, I don't know if that would keep me there. I need like a new car, you know, something <laughs> like that. that but there's, uh, we're going to see some more of that talk. That was uh, that that team's been struggling, and so they're going to be make, trying to make some trades. And they have two guys that they're looking to deal, and we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But you know, there's going to be a bunch of trades. I feel like coming into mid mid uh, February with this trade deadline, it'll be interesting to see. You know, some of these bubble teams trying to get a little stronger. And uh, add a guy here or there. You know, there's a lot of injuries out there right now. So, you know, I just saw Boston just had a big injury um, yesterday. So that that hurts that top line. When was it Marshawn or Bergeron that got hurt? Pat? Bergeron, I think. Like four weeks or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know to be exact. I have to look. Yeah, but... I think I saw Charlie Mack speaking of the Bruins is uh, making a comeback. Yeah, he actually skated. Did he play tonight? I want to say he played. I don't tonight. think he played tonight, but he had a full skate in, so I think he's going to play in the next game. Nice. Yeah, this this part of the season, you know, injuries are starting to happen. Guys are playing a lot of games. They're getting a lot of minutes. <clears throat> so, you know, make some tough calls if you got some injuries. You know, trade trade deadline. You know, making a playoff push. You might have to bring trade somebody in. Guys, uh, yeah, I was. I, I, I want to just jump in real quick because we were talking about, you know, the, the, the change of the game and how the, they're scoring so often now. I, I was just checking out the scores, and I looked quickly. Uh, Calgary's playing uh, Colorado right now. It's 2-2. Calgary has five shots on goals with two goals. <laughs> <laughs> how the hell does that happen? Backlund scored. Yeah, I see that. Oh, different times we're in. <clears throat> Flames are on fire too. So, Calgary's be- huge right now. They're putting a the push on second in, uh, I think second in the league. First yeah. in the division. Yeah, they're on fire. Second in the league right now. You're not gonna get the bounces every night. When's the All Star game? What's that? You got the date on that? January 26th is. Is that it's coming right up. Yeah, so that'll be a little break in the action, give the teams a little bit of a rest to get some of these guys that have the bumps and bruises healed up. Um, a couple people not participating that were voted to play. We touched on that a little bit last week, but I saw Price is going to back out. Did you guys see that? I did see yep. that, yeah. They actually have the uh, last man, man in. Um, yep. you, can, you can vote the last four into the uh, all-star game. Um, you know, same setup as last time, Atlantic Division, Metropolitan, Central, and Pacific. So, um, 
you guys want to go on and vote real quick who you got i'll take uh, i'll go first atlantic division there's still uh you know it's still pretty a long list two four six eight people on each in each division so uh in the atlantic i'm gonna go with jeff skinner i just talked about jeff skinner coming from carolina to buffalo 29 goals 13 assists uh, plus plus 15 so i think he deserves to go he's been doing really well he's actually you know a lot of buffalo success is from uh jeff skinner huge pickup in metropolitan probably go with uh anders lee for our uh, the islanders he's doing a lot down there for the islanders struggle struggling team um, these are uh, still a pretty big list on uh you know for each division yeah, there are eight people, so um, I think Central is the only one that has seven. Seven, yeah, uh, but that's still plenty to choose from. These are still a pretty decent that, list here. And Central League, look at the players in that Central League. I mean, those are all really good players. Line A, Tarasenko, Forsberg, Parisi, Seguin, Taze. I mean, Jesus, those are all high-profile yeah. guys right there. I'd go with – I'm taking C Tyler Seguin – uh big part uh, the thing where it's again there is uh oh, guys man yeah, gm something yeah just talking shit about him that they're playing like a bunch of horse shit he might get fined from the uh nhl for talk, saying that so um the pacific division i am going to go with mark giordano from calgary um he's got 40 points 34 assists and he's a defenseman too that's my pick so I got, depends i got jeff skinner anders lee tyler seguin and mark giordano from calgary all right all right all right all right i'll roll next i'll start with the atlantic i'm gonna go with dylan larkin picking dylan uh just because i want to see who's faster him or connor mcdavid in the fastest skating contest Ooh. so he's uh you know who's the fastest skater but you know, they say Larkin's won it before, but, you know, Connor David's won it the last couple of years. So I'm going to go with him because I want to see that. Um, over to the Metro, I'm going to go with uh, Latang. He's stud. I think he doesn't get enough uh, attention, you know, liking the defensive guys too. Same with Pat. And then essentially we talked about these guys. I mean, some studs in this in this division. I'm going to go with Vladimir uh, Tarasenko. Uh, he's a little bit down this year in his points but he's a big contributor to his team and whenever you're watching a blues game they mention his name so he's a big contributor just doesn't have the points that he usually does and then over in the uh the pacific probably gonna go with uh, uh i'll go with getzloff he's getting up there in the years and maybe hope my vote will help him get back in one more all-star game the captain yep he's yeah, a stud tough bucket yeah, too he is, yeah. I'll start. I'll I'll go from there, and I'll start with the Pacific. I'll go backwards. I agree with Mark on Getzloff. I think he deserves to get in there as well. And uh, the Central Division, I'm going to take the Amish Assassin, man, Patrick Laine. How is he? How is he not in there? I mean, come on now. I don't know. He he's got what he's got 32 points or something like that. And on the he apparently on the bubble to make it in the All Star game. That's interesting. Metropolitan Division. I can't as much as I want to pick Zuccarello. I mean, how the fuck is he even on there? He's got 15 points. But um, I'll go with Latang as well. Pittsburgh's a stacked team, and he probably gets shuffled to the 
back of the pack because of the top heavy lineup that they have, but not uh, talked about much. Yeah, he's not talked about quite as much as the uh, other big stars on that team. But uh, Atlantic Division, I'll go with. Uh, I'll give Pat a little bit of love and I'll pick Bergeron on the Bruins. Hey, yeah. To Mark's thing, I want to see uh, Dylan Larkin get in to see who's faster. I just want to see the fastest player. The All Star. Yeah, they can spare those. Here's the thing, though, Morley. I, I heard is that he might be on the block, on the trading block. I heard. Really? Yeah. That'd be a big pickup for somebody. I mean, he's having an off year, so you know they're looking to trade him. But he's uh he's been a stud in the league. Pete, what do you got, um, man? You know, so for for me, the All Star game is about people that put up points and that you know they're they're true All Stars. So I'm gonna go more towards the giving of point points. Atlantic Division, Braden Point has 57 points. The next one is Mark Stone, who's 47. Yeah, he's been I playing good not a Closest, yep. I, he had a, Mark Stone had a goal uh, while uh, they played Minnesota. It was a nice goal, a uh, good tip-in redirect. Um, but still, uh, going off of points for the All-Star uh, game, I'm going to choose Braden Point. Uh, for the Metro League, <clears throat> I got uh, yeah the Metro League. I got Backstrom, um, you know, forty-four points. Um, the next one there is thirty-seven. So to me, by far, based on points, you know, he's the standout there. Um, <clears throat> for the Central Division, uh, Landeskog is forty-nine points with the second closest. At 42. So to me, Landeskog should be the one that goes. And, uh, you know, for the Pacific, um, Leon Drisadio. I'm going to fact check on that. Uh, I don't know how to say that, but 52 points. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's why I next, didn't know his name. The next one is 42 <laughs> points. And, uh, you know, that's Logan Culture at uh, San Jose. So, you know, for me, just based on delivering, delivering the, you know, the data, most guys are, uh, are driving the numbers. So I'm going with them. Yeah, Mitch, Mar Mitch Marner didn't get voted on either, did he? I didn't think he was on anything. I think, I think it goes more than just numbers. I think it's, uh, you know, how long you've been in the league, what you've done for the league, what kind of guy you are. Obviously, the numbers come into a big play because you want all stars there. But uh, I always kind of, you know, like to pick someone that uh, is not your typical big name and kind of deserves to be there. Um, maybe on should the last rookie, year. Should a rookie ever be go to the all star game? Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're nasty, like Connor McDavid, for sure. Well, so Keller put seventy points up as a rookie. Is that not oh, sufficient? I I don't even think that goes. Brazil. So I mean, how how are we how are we making these decisions? Fan fans are saying I, I really like the name recognition of these players. Um, you know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A, well, I mean, a guy like Sidney Crosby. I mean, everybody, no matter what his numbers are, they know how good of a hockey player he is. He's getting voted election. I mean, they're putting up numbers, but I mean, it definitely helps when you're a big, a big household name and you're a franchise player when they go to pick all-stars because obviously they want people to watch the 
they players they know. You know, yeah, like, they want big, big, big time names. It's just like the Pro Bowl, anything NBA. Yeah, I mean, if you sell if you're selling a lot of jerseys, you got a better chance than the guy that you know sells a couple. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's all about money. Let's talk about the uh, World Juniors USA loss to uh, some teams, some blue the old team. Fins. Never heard of them. Um, but the uh, goal that got called back, the first goal of the game, USA scored. Called it. You should have asked Kevin where Canada was. <laughs> See ya. Um, <laughs> but no, if anyone watched the game, USA got a goal called back. Um, the goalie interference call. Um, I was just watching Twitter, looked at something on Twitter the other day, and uh, it said, you know, this is what the NHL refs have come down to uh, with goalie interference calls. And it, I clicked on the video, and it was three minutes of these three or four refs over by the penalty box just fucking with microphones on, just standing there. <laughs> I thought something was going to happen. Nothing. They just stood there. So, you know, the moral of the story is, is these fucking goalie interference calls are just stupid. They don't know. Oh, they're yes. standing over there, and they're like, what should we do? What should we do? You call it. I'm not saying it. You fucking say it. <laughs> so, anyways, the USA got a goal called back for goalie interference, and my take on it was, yes, the player's foot was in the crease, and they barely. were kind of barely, yeah, just came in and out, but they were saying that his glove was interfered with the skate, but I don't think it was because his, um. his hand was coming across in a fluid motion, and if it would have caught up on his skate, you would have saw a little pause or something. But uh, anyways, they took the they took the goal back, which I was like, what? Most people, if you if you saw, yeah, I was watching. That, I watched it live. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck are they even talking about? But did yeah. you see the head coach when he got an explanation from the ref? He, his face was it's all over social media. Is like, yeah, what? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was a game changer for Team USA. It changed the whole momentum of the game. Yep. You know, they were going to be up one nothing. Um, you know, turns out the Finns scored next. It would have been a one one game. That was total momentum changer for them. And <clears throat> the call itself, I mean, I I didn't see it. Been a one -on -one. I didn't see any goal tender interference at all. And you know, I was thinking they're going to come back. They're going to say it's a good goal and you know go yeah. to USA. But you know, they should take it to the point where. And in the NFL, where if there's not enough evidence, you know, then you can't call it, right? If it's that close, then it shouldn't be fucking called because you can barely tell it didn't interfere very much. You know what I mean? But, it's part of the game. But that goes with Derek can elaborate on this. That goes in football, like our bass or any sport, they usually stay with the call in the field, right? So if they yeah. called it no goal, which they did, right? Immediately they called it no goal. They call it a goal. I believe oh. at first, it was a yeah it was a goal at first yeah, and they oh, took it back. back yeah so they actually change, makes it even worse yeah it makes it worse absolutely it, does usually they stay with the call on the field you know if if it's a controversial call at first base and there's no evidence to conclusive evidence to turn it over they usually just say ah stay with the call on the field the ump was right and it would have been a tie game right it would have been a tie game if yeah. they counted that goal. 
Yeah, for sure. 3-3. Right? I, I honestly think USA would have won if that goal was allowed. I agree, I agree with you completely. You know, they did come out with a silver medal, which is, um, I guess, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, they beat, beat everybody else and beat Canada and Russia and Czechs. And, you know, so it's definitely good for the, the USA hockey juniors to you know see them still up in that silver gold medal range as far as how USA hockey is evolving and we're, we're you know, we're contenders and, you know, hey, where's Canada, right? We just talked about it. So what medal do they get? Yeah. So that's the thing. So, you know, where's where's the U.S. in, in hockey development? And we go back to it all the time, the USA development program, all that bullshit. But, you know, things are working. We're, we're still winning medals and the Olympics didn't go that great for us. But that was a big rule change with the NHL and everything. So, you know, it'd be a different story with some of those players. But I think that US, the U.S. is in the right, going in the right direction of developing these players and trying to get, uh, you know, better players to come out of the U.S. And I think, you know, as you watch social media, you look at social media and you see like, you know, people putting these things on about their kids and they have that super deeker thing where you, you're stick handling in your living room and it's like a red dot on this fiberglass sheet, right? So, so like uh, Anita Diffizet's kid, she might be like 13, right? She's stick handling like crazy in her living room, like doing all these, like following this yellow dot around or red dot around. I mean, we didn't have that stuff when we were growing up. We didn't have these, you know, things that you could put in the middle of your house and work on your stick handling and, you know, your all these other kind of little gadgets they have for like passing where you can i don't know if you guys seen this stuff but you know you can we were out on the pond this morning. yeah we were outside yeah we were we on the pond out on the pond. street stuff like that but yeah they I mean, have like cool. intelligent intelligent or intelligent or something yeah. um usa hockey, hockey yeah, what that is, it's a computer program, and it gives you different scenarios. It's pretty much like dots, X's and O's, and what's your best scenario? Uh, an X and O will come up quick, and what's your best pass? And you only have like a second to pick, and at the end of the program, it tells you right or wrong and why you should have went. You should have passed it over here. So it's kind of making your reflexes go. Um, your brain your brain and everything yeah exactly think faster on plays that you know should have went here because there wasn't as many x's over there compared to the one you went to um that had two x's instead of one x but uh all different yeah you're right there's all different kinds of tools they got fake ice now polysynthetic ice that you can put in your basement and fucking skate and uh i actually saw something on twitter where this father has pretty much his whole basement with a little small rink. And he's, he actually has two girls and one girl's a goalie, one's a forward and they couldn't be no older than seven. And the goalie was just sliding side to side. And the father and the younger daughter who was a forward were out there putting shots on her. And these two girls are going to definitely be in the WHL or USA women's for sure. I mean, they can skate year-round in the basement. Yeah, it's good to see because there's a lot of a lot of video games and iPads, and you know, my kids are guilty of it. They're on that shit all the time, you know, watching Netflix, and you know, they can watch any cartoon or whatever the show they want to watch anytime. And so, you know, I feel like some of it is that part of these athletes now aren't as good because they don't play all the time. Like, 
you know, you talk about we were out in the ponds, we were out in uh, Appleton parking lot shooting tennis balls for hours, you know, playing street hockey. When's the last time you went down the street and saw kids playing street hockey? I haven't seen it anywhere. When's the last time you went down the street and saw kids playing outside? You know, it's like what what the hell man it's like all these kids are you know how are they developing these motor skills and you know all these like fast twitch muscles out playing all the time like you're not getting that shit when you're inside i'm guilty of it with my kids i should be outside with them more but hey here's your ipad I'll be rink outside what the hell are you waiting for yeah no the uh i you, you know absolutely don't drive around and see kids playing street hockey anymore it's kind of it's really kind of weird actually to think about i mean Remember playing like on uh, Lincoln Street, Mechanic Street, uh, cars coming, you know, you're yelling car and somebody's running, you know, moving both the nets. But yeah, you we're not don't, even, see, don't see that shit anymore. And we're not talking kids our age. We all have kids, you know, I think the oldest is seven, right? Might be an eight-year-old in there. Um, Mine will be eight in a couple couple weeks. Yeah, so we're, we're not talking eight and under. We're talking we don't even see kids – 14, 15, and 16 playing outside. Nobody. Nobody. Outside. Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems, seems like that's weakening. If you go watch high school sports now, um, it seems like the caliber is a little bit different. And part of the thing that I see when I watch the sports is their drive and their um, willingness to, like, go all out the whole time and, you know, give it all and, and be gritty about it. And, you know, it just seems like they're a little soft. Um, and they're not playing with as much um, heart or something. It just seems like there's, it's just not there. Or, you know, like the drive maybe isn't there because they're not into sports as much as we, we were because that's all we had. We didn't have the technology to feed our brains for the rest of the time of the day. But I don't know if you guys see it, but I just don't see that level. Maybe at the high levels, like the National Development Program, stuff like that. But even some of these guys go watch high school hockey. And they're taking shifts off. They're, you know, airplane turns. Yeah, I don't know. And, I'm, no. and my brother, my brother's a coach, and I'll tell you, like, you can't coach these kids like you coached us. You can't yell at them. You can't like scream at them and <laughs> snowflakes. You know, just well, I mean, think about think about our skate days. You know, our our skate days probably felt like they were punishment, but what they really did was they forced us to all work as hard as we could, side by side together. And, you know, these kids don't know those types of, uh, of sacrifice. Or I call it sacrifices because Bonds. we were all hanging over the, the boards, puking in the garbage cans. I call it a sacrifice because you had, you had no choice but to work your bag off. Mm -hmm. Sure. sure. People weren't take, taking it. You, know, you weren't taking it off. Everybody worked hard. It wasn't like you, know, you were just trying to go through the motions and stay in the middle of the pack. You know, you wanted to be the first. You wanted to show your coach that you were – you know, you're the fastest guy or you were, you want to show the guy next to you more, I think. You know, when I look yeah. back, if you were doing army crawl to the other end, who's going to win? You know, you wanted to beat your buddy. You didn't, you know, it was about pride and, you know, you took pride in working hard and wanting to be better than the next guy. So I just, I think we, uh, we're losing touch with that, you know, with all the bullshit with people telling yeah. everybody they get a trophy and all that now kind of stuff. Now kids have stopped going to the, the golf game where, you know, you, you're playing yourself in the round, you know, so you're not allowed to compare yourself to the person next to yeah, cause the person next might, to you anymore. The kid might have soft elbows and he can't do the army crawls. His mom said, <laughs> his mom said that he has Mom told him that he doesn't have to. Uh, or, 
you're working our kids too hard and you yell them in a practice, the coach gets fired by the board. Yeah, good job. You could have bone spurs too, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh let's bring it back a little bit, guys. Um, you know, finish up on a little bit of the, the NHL before we go into next week and just to just to touch briefly, we do have a, a big interview coming up next week. Some of you might have heard of a guy named Theo Fleury. Not a big deal. He will be on Blue Line Hockey Club speaking with the usual suspects. So don't miss it. It's going to be an awesome one. We got so, uh, some free giveaways too, right, Mark? Yeah, we're going to have some free giveaways for you guys. We have all different bringing in from sponsors and um company called arc hockey developed some pretty cool sticks and they're sending some gear out to us so we can give them away to some of our listeners um we also have some autographed posters of uh some nhl guys and mcavoy and clayton keller and some of some big Double names up. that you're gonna want to you want to get a pretty cool autograph to hang up in your in your room or your office uh start listening to us and we're going to be giving this stuff away so we're Blue, Blue Line Hockey Club shirts, hat. So from here on out on the podcast, we're going to give out a code word. You got to listen to the podcast, get the code word, and you get a free autograph, a McAvoy, Keller, free hockey stick, maybe some yeah, water, sure. logs we're or two. We're also going to have a, have a $30 off promotion code coming up next week from Arc Hockey. So if you're looking for a new stick, hold off till next week, and we'll be able to offer you $30 off one of their sticks. So I think it brings down to like $99. So pretty good deal there too maybe a gift certificate to the mountain mart something yeah so fellas that's all good stuff um i think we're gonna see uh tampa bay wild running away with the first places in the the east and uh in the west i don't know i'm picking calgary but what do you guys think two teams from the east you you said was was that like a a morphed team you just made up there I'm saying Tampa Bay from the east and Calgary from the west oh. are going to be. Oh, I thought you called them Tampa Bay Wild. I think you did. Well, you know, I got a little interest in the Wild these days, and I think I've seen every game in the last probably <laughs> third years. So, pick, a, pick two teams from uh, one from the east, one from the west. We're halfway through the season, and uh, pick two teams to finish on top of east, both of those divisions. I think uh, it's easy to go in the uh, East is uh, Tampa Bay. They're just running away with it, right? So uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, Toronto, you can't count out Toronto. Um, Western, I'm going to go Calgary. I like Calgary, what they're doing right now. I just like the grit. I can't wait for the ba- Battle of Alberta to come up on the 19th. And then uh, Nashville. Nashville's been in the scene for the last fucking – yeah, they're coming on hard. They're they're looking good right now. They're they're in their, I mean they're they're running strong right now. I I think. Uh, Pete, pick two teams. Uh, there is no. I mean, Tampa Bay is is the fucking lead right now. Oh, because so, you live I mean, there. Sixty-eight points. <clears throat> there's nobody close. Uh, Nashville has fifty-seven. Uh, well, Calgary Calgary's got fifty-eight. That's not close. So uh, Tampa for sure, and uh, Calgary in the West. I know, but uh, Cal. I, I got Calgary pulling, uh, pulling number one on the West side. West side. West side. West side. <laughs> Kachuk, man. The Kachuk boys. Both of those guys impressed me. I. They're, they're hard. 
strong, strong players. Their their nose is always into something. Um, not that stuff, Mark. Not that Relax. They're tough but, kids, uh, man. No, they're, they're both good good yeah. players to watch. I, I like those Kachuk boys. Doing a great – making a big impact in the NHL. Yeah, no doubt. Tampa Bay's – the Tampa Bay Wild are the no-brainer. Um, oh. No doubt about it. Who, who oh, Is wow. their goalie Dubes or that – Mark, in, your, in the fantasy team you made up, who's their goalie for the Tampa Bay Wild? Uh, is it the Tampa goalie or the Wild goalie? I, I usually go with a wild. Oh. Is that a thing? All right. Well, we'll pick uh, no, Tampa definitely in the East. Tampa Bay, um, what the rest of the world knows as the Lightning, and um, in the uh, in the West Western Conference, I'm actually I, I think Winnipeg is actually going to lead the way out of the West. Yeah. So I've always had a place in my heart for Winnipeg. You know, I, to the Jets, and I don't know what it is. I think it's I think it's that uh, line. Amish assassin. The Amish assassin. He likes that gold Yeah. Northern Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. But then there's a lot of uh, there's some gritty teams like in the East that I wouldn't like if uh, if Carolina or like the Islanders get into the playoffs. Playoffs. I would not honestly. I would not want to play a team like Carolina or or the Islanders honestly because those are two. Kind of great team. Carolina has, I think they're on like a, uh, what are they like on a seven game winning streak right now or something like that. Um, but yeah, or Buffalo. There's some teams, man, that like are obviously aren't leading the pack right now, you know, and they're kind of they're kind of down the food chain. But I don't know if you know, it's like those, you know, it's like in the NFL, you know, like when you got like that the wild card team that kind of scraps their way in there at the end and yeah. knocks off kind of the you know number one or number two seed oh, like so, so here's your one through ten stretch you got tampa calgary vegas who has performed this year yeah they know they got like 15 out 14 out of wins out of the last 16 games so. I, I hope not i can't watch those fucking pre-game shows <laughs> san jose is running four so they're climbing right now carlson they're carlson. climbing yes sir Toronto, Winnipeg, Derek. Yeah. Washington, Nashville, Boston, Pittsburgh, and then you have Buffalo. We'll go down even further. Columbus is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal, uh, Montreal didn't you know make me jump out of my shoes. The Islanders, you know, I think we're starting to get into. You're not making me jump out of my shoes, but then you're coming into Colorado, which Colorado does make me jump out of my shoes. They do make me jump out of my shoes. So it's kind of strange that, you know, you have a mix there. Can we get a video on YouTube of Rob jumping out of his shoes? Yeah. Chicken wings make him jump out of his shoes. (laughs) It's already already on there. I was just at the Ottawa Senators Minnesota Wild game. Um, It's It's plenty of clips of me jumping out of my shoes. Nice. Seven goals they scored. Well, we we got four, but uh, there were seven goals scored, so. I was standing up frequently. Nice. That was a good rundown, boys. We'll see what happens in the next half of the season. Uh, a lot of games to be left and left to be played. And the Pens, I think, have won eight in a row. I don't know if we said that, but seven or eight in a row. So they're they're really hot right now. Um, a lot of talk about the Penguins. So can't count them or the Capitals out ever. No. But a lot of hockey we've played, 41, 41, 42, depending on how many games they've played. So... Until next week, folks, keep your stick on the ice. See ya!
Oh, doctor. Meow. Meow.